He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. Head over to golfoklahoma.org. Check it all out. The best local golf coverage. Going to have it all coming your way from the Big 12 Championships taking place right now at Big Whispering Pines. Week. Right now give at us Whispering an Pines. Uh, give us an update. Oklahoma State is in ninth out of ten teams at the moment. That's Oof. what I looked at earlier. Texas Tech has actually leapt into the lead. Four under par. Uh, let's see. Oklahoma sits T5 at one under. And then Oklahoma State is solo ninth amongst teams at three under. Uh, most teams have played. Most teams are either halfway through their front nine or at about the turn. And we're like, recording oh, you, oh, you. this on uh, Monday at 10 a.m. Yes, yes. So OU and OSU are both at the turn. Uh, some of the other schools are a little bit further out. Several schools at two under, every, uh, every, one under. Every team is on the course, though. Yes, every team is on the course down at Whispering Pines. I've got a buddy down there who was sending me some videos uh, yesterday from the practice round with Oklahoma State. Course looks absolutely immaculate. I mean, it's just so good, so green, looks amazing. So head over to golfoklahoma.org as they'll have all the best local golf coverage for you. Fellas, I know y'all talked a lot about that yesterday. I listened to the radio show on my way to Stillwater. All right, percentage chance next Sunday, Colby. <clears throat> percentage, what is next Sunday? Uh, uh, is Sunday? I don't my, know. my life is has been May? a little is bit of March a whirlwind. I think it's March 1st. March 1st? May 1st. That can't be. May 1st. I mean, May 1st. Little tenant inversion going back in time. (laughs) Oh, I would say. I mean, May 1st. I would say. It is May 1st. I would say 80-20 I'm in. 80-20 I'm in this upcoming Sunday. That's huge. Oh, man. By the way, guys, before we get started, I have a confession. I I tweeted this out earlier. Oh, these are Sam's confessions. Confession time. We should make this a regular segment. (laughs) So, for those of you that don't know, I live out at Oak Tree. Okay. Every basically Monday, Kansas. Every yeah. Monday, yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. it's a long drive. It's way up. Long it's drive like, to like Colby's house the where we normally from, from record. Prairie Dunes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> guys. So every Monday they have a scramble out there, right? I have to drive down Sorghum Mill to get to Colby's house and to the radio station. So if I'm ever driving on a Monday, I always try to honk. There's three tea boxes. <laughs> There's three tea boxes You're that, that I pass. You're that guy that I pass. I pass 8 east, I pass 7 west, and I pass 8 west. Okay, but 8 west, you got to be careful. You got to kind of float the stop sign because you don't want to honk at them and then just be stuck there, you know, behind <laughs> some car and they, they, they can hop the fence and come get you. So or send a stinger through your window. Exactly. So I've never gotten all three in one day. This morning, I got all three in one day. <laughs> it was glorious. So there was this guy. <laughs> swear swear to God. He almost hit it in Rian's house left of eight. Okay. <laughs> then we get to seven T. They had big tents set up and flags. Looked like they were having a long drive contest. Seven T on the west. That's the part five west. coming down yep. the road. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wind off the left. Guys. I mean, r- nailed him right in the downswing on seven, <laughs> seven West T. So then I'm like, man, it, it's the first time I've ever gotten the first two. We're going for the trifecta. Going for the triple threat. <laughs> On eight, on eight D box, 
I literally slow down to 15 miles an hour because I see that there's no cars coming up at the stop sign. I slow down <laughs> to 15 miles an hour. This guy's taking forever over the golf ball. I almost come to a complete stop, honk at him, run the stop sign, and got here. <laughs> got all three. I got all That's three. terrible. Is that a turkey? What is that? It's a turkey. It's it a turkey. turkey. It's, it's a turkey. I, I started my day three under. I'm like Texas. It is better because it's a scramble. Because when you're out there just playing, yeah, regularly. I wouldn't do it. To guys playing in a money game, that's kind of mean. But or this like is all a, fun spirit in the Oklahoma Open. Yeah, like, you're not you gonna drive by. Yeah, no, open. of course not. <laughs> but I mean, these guys they play golf once a year, and to me, I think it adds character to a golf round. You're not gonna remember what you shoot, but you might remember some guy honking in your friend's backswing and him shanking it. Can, off can of I say AT. something though? If you end up left of the water on number eight. <laughs> The horn is not your biggest issue. Like if, <laughs> if the horn makes you go left of the water on Oak Tree East number eight, you had bigger swing issues than the horn. Yeah, I mean, America's gotten so soft. I'll, I'll be playing Lincoln West <laughs> or Lincoln East. We're talking about honking and golfers back swings, and we immediately got to America's gotten so soft. America has gotten so soft. I guarantee you that people listening to this podcast right now have played Lincoln East number 14. If you're on number 17 oh, yeah. T-Box, I'll see 10 cars drive by and not honk. I'm looking at them saying, honk your freaking horn. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to these days? Me and Colby. That's the whole point of putting the T-Box by the road. That's one of Lincoln's only defense. <laughs> <laughs> the course architects designed it into the end of the layout. Colby, Colby, we grew up in Chickasha by a nine-hole course that has like five holes surrounded by road. Yes. So we have we know what this is like. And majority of the time, whenever someone would honk in our backswing, we would sometimes throw a ball down and just like hit it towards them. Like it was like it was a very frowned upon thing to do in the uh, small town of Chickasha. It, but also looking back on it. It's harmless. It was, it was fun, though. <laughs> it was fun. It was great. Like, it, if you're out playing, I mean, you get mad with your buddies and everybody flips off the car. It's, it's just, part of it. Yeah, it, it's, looking back on it, I think it was part of a fun golfing experience. Here, here's a question. You talk about an oak tree because there's a lot of houses that line the road. So, the question is, if you Not honk, on those holes. So, if, if there is a hole that runs by a house and you honk and the person hits a horrible shot and it knocks out a window... Who is liable for that? That's a good question. <laughs> depends on how fast you drive. That's a good question. It depends on whether they caught your tag number. Yeah. That's a good point. But even if they did, by the way. What, what are you going to say? <laughs> someone, someone honked to make me do this? We're already off the rails. I want to ask you all a question. <laughs> okay. Did you see the story this weekend about the couple? I think it was in like Minnesota or something that <laughs> moved onto a golf course, bought a house on a golf course, moved okay. onto a golf course. Over the span of a few years, they collected like 700 golf balls that were hit at their house and into their yard. They sued the golf course for $5 million and won. They won? They How? won $5 million because they had evidence of like broken windows and dented roof and all this other stuff, all this damage to their property. Yeah, but and they claimed the golf course was liable and they won. And it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life because you know what you're doing when you move on to a golf course. I don't know. Uh, Sam, I Sam, thought you the player know, was always liable. Sam, you might know this better than me, but 
like, isn't that part of like your housing agreement though? Like, I, I can understand if you have a house and then they build well, I mean, a golf you, course there. That's my, different. If but you like, hit my house, you're trying to hit my house. That yes, absolutely. As, but I just feel like <laughs> isn't that part of living? Like, if you buy a house that's already on the course, like you remember at the Greens, Colby. If you buy a house off one of those holes, isn't that part of the deal? I would think so. Yes, and there are certain houses out there that are roughly 230 to 270 yards off tee boxes. I guarantee you, that on you number just nine, would never buy on number nine at the Greens. Those houses get hit more than the fairway. Uh, number 18. Number 18. Number yes. 18. Number yeah. eight. No, number nine. There's down no, the hill. There's no houses on number nine. At the greens? To the left of the fairway. At the greens? Yes. No, there's no, no houses on nine. That's, uh, that, that's the uh, practice range. The practice range is over there to the left of number nine on the greens. No. It's a wedge course. Okay, then they must have flipped the nines then. I don't know if they flipped the nines or not. Well, there's never it's been. It's been the same since I was a Wait, no, there. I'm not thinking of number nine. What's the hole that goes up to the clubhouse? Number 18. No. No, number, he's thinking of six. Number six. Oh, number six, yeah. Number six. Yeah, the yeah. house is left to six. It's been a long six. time since I've been out there. Driving yeah. range on the right side. Yeah. Yes. Houses left to six get yes. quite a bit of play. Exactly. Yeah. But there, there is one particular house on the right side of 18, <laughs> just off the back of 15 tee box, that just gets peppered. <laughs> Everybody, I mean, we've got 15 handicaps well, trying to drive the green. Well, and the par five that you have to hit it over the houses. Number uh, three. Yeah, number three. Yeah. You, you, you aim over the houses. Yeah. Actually, a buddy of mine lives in kind of a landing zone on that hole. So but they've got like to a, me, a the honking is all like good in the fun. backyard and if stuff. If you hit somebody's window, if you hit the roof, it's no big deal. But if yeah, you hit somebody's roof, roof is paradise. Yeah, if you hit somebody's window, you got to go like tell them, right? It's I, yeah, I, common courtesy. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I've never. That's have you have you ever seen that happen when you played at the Green Bowl? I've never, I've, I've I, never I mean, seen a window hit. I have not either. I I have not done it. I've not been playing with anybody who's broken a window. Ever. I never have either. We need someone to let us know on the social media what some of their stories are about I mean, this. It's one of the few things of in golf that we all three have never experienced. Think about the side of a house and the small portion of it that's actually windows. Like, if you actually hit a window, you got really unlucky. Here's a yeah. funny story. I'll, I'll tell this before we move on. <laughs> I was practicing chipping in my backyard one time. And Colby knows my backyard. There's a bunch of trees there. You know, it's not really groomed that well anyway. So... I was hitting flop shots, and <laughs> I, I know it sounds really genius. This is already and, a great story. And so the neighbor across the, the road, there's just a little fence there. You know, there's not much guarding it. So I hit this flop shot. I cold blood blade shank it. It goes through this two-foot window of the trees. I can see it slow motion. It starts curving to the right. It misses my neighbor's window by a foot, and you can hear the brick boing, come off of it, and then hear the ball even land in the in the backyard. So, I mean, that is, even looking at it, it's hard to picture it visualizing. You couldn't hit this shot a million more times if you tried it. Beautiful. And it just, like, that would have been my luck to hit this yeah. impossible shot and then break a we damn gotta, window. We got to tweet that out after the podcast. Yes, that needs to be, like, in the podcast description. Anyway. T-Dub shanks so, a flop shot into his neighbor's I, I don't know how to transition this, this, to the this, SEC I will say this, this didn't happen I, yesterday. I think we, just, I think we this, just take this conversation and groove it right on into some college golf. You can groove it <laughs> down the go. fairway if you go to grooveitbrush.com and use the promo code 73rd hole. That's going to get you 10% off your Groove It Brush. I'm telling you, they come in handy. I was at Prairie Dunes last weekend, used it over and over and over again. Fill it up with water, put that on your club face. It is the Wet Club Scrub Brush. Quite possibly the cleanest, uh, quite possibly the best club cleaner ever Made grooveitbrush.com promo code 73rd hole get you 10% off. Check it out, you will not regret it. College golf, gentlemen, the SEC, a little overachievers. 
went ahead and got wrapped up a little early on everybody else. We had Vanderbilt, we had Florida, and in a 3-2 matchup, Vandy gets it done. They had a one-up match. They had a two-up match. So Vanderbilt are the SEC champions. Uh, It was pretty wide open, really, I think, in the SEC, but the one seed ends up getting it done. They just sneak past the Gators, and... uh, yeah, we're going to see what happens in the SEC. Also, Taylor, you weren't here yet. I was talking to Sam about this earlier. Alabama was scheduled to host a men's regional. They're going to be unable to do so due to course conditions. Oh, wow. So this is going to be have to be moved, and there's a possibility that it does not get moved to the side of a one seed, that it actually gets moved to Arkansas, which would be very interesting, obviously, with their kind of home course advantage that they have. You're going to have that anywhere, but uh, if they're not a one seed, that could really kind of be a shakeup in regionals, the fact that Alabama had to, to lose theirs due to course conditions. I mean, how about that? You don't hear about that happen too often, right? No. So, And you look at I mean, we, were, we talked about this yesterday on the radio show, you know, Arkansas's 10th in the rankings. So, I mean, they're right on that 2-3 that, that line almost, They also finished 10th in the SEC championship stroke play portion. Yeah, they're expected to be a 3, I think. So, I mean, a 3 seed to Get the uh, to get the course set up. I mean, that is unbelievably ridiculous, and that goes back to our point that we keep saying all the time, guys. There needs to be some incentive on the regular season because we see Vanderbilt wins the SEC. What does that do? For My whole deal is we have so many golf courses that are not home courses. Just don't play point. postseason golf on home courses. It's not that hard. I uh, I think the, I think that's too simple, Sam. That's just way <laughs> too simple. Here, here's I mean, my question. I do have a question logistically. Like, okay. what logistically goes into hosting these regionals? Is it is it significantly easier to get a, a college course to sign up for it, to sign up for the logistics of it, shutting Probably. the course down for your members for a couple of days? I would think it's a lot easier to get those courses Maybe to sign up. A little on. easier. I still think you'd get volunteers. Regardless. You probably yeah, could. It's not like that. We, we're having to have thirty regionals, and vol- we got to find thirty My courses. We need six. You get yeah. volunteers for big junior tournaments, and exactly. And it's a good time of year. It, you know, obviously, I know there's some courses maybe up north, way north, that aren't doing it that well. But generally, in the middle part of the states, and even down south, you can find plenty of courses. You can find six courses in Florida. Do you can find six courses in Dallas, Texas, probably, let alone the whole state of Texas? Right. So, yeah, I agree with Sam. On but that guys, point. my my biggest takeaway from this SEC championship uh, that was down at Sea Island Golf Club on the Seaside Course was. That Sam Bennett, I mean, he finished fifth in the tournament. By the way, shout out to uh, John DeBoyce, the four bag for Florida that went out and won uh, the stroke play portion of the SEC championship, 72 64 68. So great play by him. But Sam Bennett, this guys, is, by the way, Texas AM Sam Bennett, who yes, for a large number one of the, of the season, country. yeah, was number one in PGA Tour U, fell to number two, decided to come back. So now he's no longer in the top five of PGA Tour U, but still one of the best players in the country. Right. Of the top 10 guys, real quick, since you brought it up, Sam Bennett on golf stat rankings, uh, individual. Sam Bennett's number one. Fred Biundi is number two uh, from Florida. Who else was in this SEC championship? Cole Sherwood uh, from Vanderbilt. Uh, those are your three guys in the top ten uh, of the individual rankings that were in the SEC championship, guys. But Sam Bennett kind of cost Texas A&M, who was the uh, two-seed coming out of the stroke play portion. And, guys, like – even in the first match play match against Tennessee, Sam Bennett loses two down to Lewis of Tennessee. And then uh, and every other guy on his team won on Texas A&M. And then we go to the second match that Texas A&M played. And guys, I mean, I'm looking here and Sam Bennett loses two and one to Lynn of Florida. And so both of those guys from Tennessee and Florida were their three bags, respectively. And so... 
if I'm looking at Texas A&M for the national championship, even if they make match play, that can't be a good thing that Sam Bennett is struggling a little bit in match play. Absolutely not. I mean, it's he's. You look at the Wagger, and he's fifth in those rankings. The only other players who play on college teams uh, that are ahead of him are Pearson Cootie, uh, Love Gayberg, and uh, Lopez Shakar. So I mean, very very good player. And the fact that we talked about this, we saw it with Garrett Reban last year. You know, you go through straight. I'm not saying Sam Bennett's going through anything. No, I mean like he that. finished fifth in the stroke play portion. I'm just saying that you know the match play part of it. It's just different. Is it's a, a different factor. format. Yeah. yeah, and and you have to have a different type of. A mindset to be able to get through that and you know I said it yesterday on the radio show it's I think that it doesn't necessarily for this tournament cause a lot I mean obviously they didn't move on so that caused problems but it creates fog in the future for the rest of uh, Texas A&M's teammates because they feel like that they may not they have to do more to carry who was supposed to be their best player when he doesn't have their best stuff and then guys we get to the championship match Vanderbilt versus Florida and Vandy Comes out, they won the stroke play portion and they won the match play portion as well. Uh, they win three matches to two. Uh, Mole, Davenport, and Sherwood all get victories for Vanderbilt and Biundi and Castillo uh, get victories for Florida. So that's three to two. Vanderbilt wins the SEC championship, Colby. Shout out, Vandy. That's, uh, that's a big win. By the way, I want to show some love on the women's side as well. Big 12 championships were out at Karsten over the weekend. Uh, pardon me. No, no, no. There's a regional happening at Karsten next weekend. These were not at Karsten. These were down in Hockley, Texas at Houston Oaks. And uh, Texas got the win on the women's side. But Oklahoma State actually had the individual medalist. Conditions must have been tough yesterday. Most of the scores were in the mid-70s. Uh, Liana Bailey from Oklahoma State, individual Big 12 champion. So, uh Obviously, it's been a kind of roller coaster spring for Oklahoma State, losing Kaylee McGinty, losing Isabella Fierro, but Leona Bailey gets it done uh, and finish. They end up with four cowgirls inside the top 20, two inside the top three, but can't beat Texas as a team. So, uh, big congratulations to Leona Bailey for winning on the individual side there. By the way, I do want to bring up the American Athletic Conference. SMU goes out and shoots 29 under. South Florida. Is that good? 29 under is pretty <laughs> damn good. Uh, South Florida. 20 under, Houston 16 under, and then we had uh, Tulsa at even par. Nice. <laughs> Tulsa did not make a bogey in the tournament. Nice. Tulsa didn't make a bogey. That's impressive. They didn't make a birdie either. That's impressive. Bogey free? Bogey free is key. Uh, all right. We've God, got what Big, a joke, Big 12 championships at Whispering Pines this week. It's it's tough. Obviously, if it was down in the Dallas area, we were going to make a day trip out of it. We made a day trip to Prairie Dunes last year, which was great getting to see the golf. I don't know that we're going to have anywhere to see the Big 12 championship. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot of following along on Golf Stat. Maybe it's on the Longhorn Network. Yeah, I mean, I've got a buddy down there who I can tell him maybe, hey, send me a video or two throughout the day if anything notable happens, yeah. uh, and we can fire it out from the Twitter. But, yeah, other than that, I think the, the Big 12 championship coverage is going to be a little bit at a minimum, which is kind of a bummer. Maybe one of the Texas schools will have some good coverage down there. I'm gonna, maybe so. I'm going to check out the social medias for, like, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech later today and see if any of those schools sent – teams down there to cover it with any video because it was just too hard of a trip for us to go down there in the middle of the week yeah on a a wednesday to dallas we can make a day out of it yeah you can't really make a day out of houston no it's just you can't really make a day out of houston so uh hopefully it ends up being a good event down at whispering pines uh now why don't we go ahead and welcome our good buddy jim woodward to the show woody what's going on Oh, it's a beautiful morning, isn't it? And, and you know what I love about this morning is finally my uh, my American flag at my property is not straight out. <laughs> I'm surprised, honestly, with the 35-mile-an-hour winds we've had for three straight weeks, I'm surprised it didn't blow away. You must have it anchored down pretty good. 
Well, it's tattered. I'll have to buy a new one. I can tell you that. Uh, I bought this real nice flagpole that I can, you know, it'll it'll reach about 30 feet in the sky. But I think the highest I've had is five feet since I bought it because <laughs> it, it would just absolutely blow away. Yeah, that makes sense, Woody. Uh, so we got into some college golf talk, got down some rabbit holes. Woody, we want your opinion on – Let's say, hypothetically, you're driving past a golf course. You know that there's a scramble. You, you know that there's a scramble taking place. It's just a little hit and giggle. We're out having some fun. Is it all in good fun to honk your horn and do everything you can to time your horn up in the backswing of some poor, of some poor 14 handicap who's playing in a scramble? Well, uh, what do they say? Karma's a bitch. Uh, you can do it, but trust me, it will come back to haunt you. I, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, it's it's kind of humorous. You've seen those little uh, Instagram posts where these guys hide in the trees, you know, and they have one of those air horns that they blow. And, uh, there's been some golfers almost go to blows with these idiots. So uh, uh, be aware that they can also turn and fire at your car at will. So uh, and they have every right to do that. So I would say yes, but I would also say we'll get ready because it will come back to haunt you. You got to worry about that, Sam. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> You'll just have to listen to the start of the show, Woody, uh, later on. I will. But, but we did have a great team event at the Zurich Classic. We'll get into other team golf later, talking about college golf. But Woody, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay go out and tie the record at 29 under par and man it, it we talked about Patrick Cantlay's putting Woody and you know the only two wow. times he lost strokes to the field this so far in 2022 was at the Masters and at the RBC this week he was rolling his rock did you see anything different from Cantlay that he didn't do at the RBC and the Masters oh no not really I mean I don't think he putted that bad at those two compared to what he normally puts but that Boy, that Saturday afternoon, that back nine, uh, that was that was unbelievable. The 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 kind of putting exhibition he put on coming down that stretch to just uh, where they shoot sixty and uh, what they shoot fifty nine sixty in their alternate ball or their best ball, best ball, one nineteen, one nineteen in two best ball rounds. That's wow. that's not that, bad. That's uh, that's just stupid good is what it is, and they. They feed off each other. I will say this, though. Uh, Xander Shoffley would not have won that golf tournament if he didn't have Cantley. Um, <laughs> uh, Xander Shoffley is, is, a, is, a, is a dang good golfer, but he is not. He has still not done what I thought he would do. Uh, by he, the way, Woody, just to interrupt for a quick second, again, Xander Shoffley wins on the PGA Tour, and again, it's not a full-field cut <laughs> event. Woody, yeah. this guy only wins either limited field events, he won the Olympics, he's now won a team event. Xander Schauffele, yeah. I don't think, has won a full-field event with a cut. I think it was 2017. 2018. Was it 2018? 2018. Four years, yeah, because he won at Kapalua, but no cut. So four years since he's won yeah. a full-field event stroke play with a cut. I I, I agree. I, I don't I – don't see anything about his game that tells me he's world class. I mean, they're all talking about how good a partner he'll be for Cantley in the, the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup. I'm not sure he'll make either team. Um, and, and I say that simply because 
I haven't seen anything that says to me that this guy's a closer. He, what's he got? Eight second place finishes. Um, I, and, and he hit some pretty suspect golf shots yesterday. Also, if you really look at it, um, and Cantley was the, um, Oh, I guess the steadying force where that seventh hole where he hits that fairway wood from out there from 250 or whatever in there to about six feet and they make an eagle to kind of strike the ship and then darn it, they don't bogey nine and 10 and you go, well, golly. Um, but Shoutley hit a good pitch on that par five uh, to get him back a birdie on 11. And uh, Burns and Hoshel, you know, did they. Uh, they had a chance. I mean, I get it going on 16 the way they did, and, and he hits it in the water. And then 17, it looked like he hit a good golf shot, but he just, he just killed it. It went right through the wind and right over the green. And uh, uh, and then, of course, Xander hits it dead right. Uh, and, and that's a tough little pitch shot from over there. And what's Cantley do? Chip it down to about six inches and ho-hum. And now they can play 18 any way they want. And they played with seven wood and iron, little pitch, whatever they did. It wasn't much to watch on that 18 call. They were just making sure they didn't go uh, into a real uh, stomper and do something really stupid. So, um, I, again, I watched that golf tournament, guys, and I think Cantley is still just a superb player. We're going to see him for years. And the rest of it, uh, Xander needs to send him a Christmas card and say thank you. T-Dub, yesterday on the radio show, we talked a little bit about how Xander has really only had two bad tournaments, though, uh, so far this year. But it was the two biggest tournaments so far this year. It was the Masters and the players. He missed the cut at both of those events. Now, he has played really solid golf at, you know, these smaller tour events. Do you think that Xander has a problem living up to the big hype? I'll, I'll say this, guys. I think that the Players' Championship, he was on the opposite end of the, of the draw, so we'll, we'll go ahead and throw that one Fair out. Enough. I didn't really like what I saw from the match play portion. I understand, because we talked about before, you know, prognosticating that he had probably the easiest pool to get out of, right. and, and he didn't he didn't even sniff it. And then the, Well, the, we forgot about the assassin, Takumi Kanaya. <laughs> I will I mean, say, how oh, could you forget about Kanaya? Guys, Xander actually gained 2.12 shots on the field that group ended up being one of the tougher groups to okay, get out of. Okay, fair enough. That's how match play works sometimes. Yeah. And, and you know, the Masters is what really brought me down, though, because makes one birdie in 36 holes from that world class of a player. I understand it was playing tough, but my goodness. I mean, there was birdies out there to be had on some holes, especially the par five. So I was a little bit worried about Shoffley there, but I will say this. I do think that the way that, from what I saw, Cantley did carry the team like Woody's saying. 100%. But I do like things that I did see from Shoffley. Hit a lot of good shots, especially when it looked like Cantley was in the best ball portion. When Cantley seemed to be out of the hole, uh, Shoffley was able to step up. One of the reasons why. Ham and egg, like we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be honest yeah. with you, you know, that's kind of like what we were talking about yesterday, Sam. You know, a couple weeks ago, or a week ago even, we were kind of saying, well, I don't know about Shoffley at Southern. I don't know about Cantley at Southern. But now, just after one week, it looks like that they're. Probably at least top ten picks for for the event. So. I think Cantlay is going to be one of the most popular picks at Southern Hills. He, definitely he has to will be, be right. And yeah. and Woody, I, I want to bring up another guy that played really well in this tournament. He won the Pebble Beach Pro Am earlier this year, and you've seen him play a lot uh, out at Oak Tree. Is Taylor Moore and Matthew Neesmith? Yeah. Uh, they finished tied for fourth at twenty three under for the golf tournament. What have you seen from Taylor Moore's game? I don't know how much you've gotten to really get gotten to know him since he's been out at Oak Tree, but uh, just give me a little bit on Taylor Moore. Well, it, it, that was a great finish for them. I mean, as far as FedEx points and money, 
Um, I think I think Taylor's. It's funny we got two Taylors. We got Gooch and we got Moore, right. and and they're two what I call Gooch ain't much of a sleeper anymore. But Taylor Moore is not going to be one for long. Uh, both of them are so solid all the way through their games. I, I don't see anything that really uh, raises a red flag for me about either one of those two guys' games that they've got just really good. Um, short games, they've got they drive the ball well. They hit their irons are good. They're smart. They they don't do stupid stuff. So I think Taylor Moore is just kind of like what Taylor Gooch was. Just give him time. He he he's not Victor Hovland, let's say, but he is really really a good player. And if he gets more and more comfortable with more and more high finishes, he'll be just like Gooch was. All of a sudden. He's going to turn into a, a, not only a PGA Tour winner, winner, but a consistent player. Our man Jim Woodward joining us here on the 73rd hole, talking golf with us. A much bigger part of the show, and we appreciate you, Woody. Wanted to read you a tweet from Max Homa, who played with Taylor Gooch this week at the Zurich Classic. Max Homa says, great week with my guys at Taylor Gooch and at Mel Baker in New Orleans. Getting a front row seat to their stripe show was a treat. Shocking people still seem to be sleeping on TG. They'll wake up soon enough. Now, Woody, he, he just climbed into the top 50 this last fall. He got his first win at the RSM Classic. And now he, he's getting into all the big events. He's getting into all the majors. He's going to become a more regular in major championships at the players and things like that. He finishes T14 at the Masters. We've got three more majors this year. The, the way he's playing, I don't see a reason. Look, I'm not going to go out on a limb and, and pick Taylor Gooch to win a major, but it would not shock me at all to see him contend at a couple of these because he really seems to have just found something in his game over the last eight to ten months, really. Well, and it's been building. I, I just think that's part of being a tour player is he's gotten more and more comfortable with every week. He's gotten more and more confident. He realizes he belongs. He's not out there kind of looking around at everybody else. Uh, Taylor Gooch will win again this year. I'll, 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 I'll go out on a limb. He'll win. I think he'll finish at least one top ten. I think you're right. I think he'll contend at a major. Um, I think the sky's the limit for Taylor. The The – the, the thing I like about Gooch is I don't think he'll ever be satisfied, though, where he is in his golf. I don't think he'll go changing a lot of things, but I think he'll work harder than most. Uh, I don't think he'll lay down and, and count his money and say, boy, I've had a good year. I don't have to practice anymore. I don't think any of that's going to go on. So um, I, I, I expect nothing but uh, just more and more positive out of Gooch. I think it's going to happen, and uh, I think Taylor Moore's going to have one of those years, too, where he's going to solidly get inside that 125, and he's going to build on that for the next couple of years, and he'll be in that winner's bracket before you know it. Yeah, TG is definitely past the point uh, of us just being homers rooting for him, right? I think that he has a legitimate oh, chance definitely. to finish top 10 uh, at Southern Hills. Now, whoever wants to take this question can take it, but I don't know if I'm just out of touch because I'm a golf nerd, but and maybe this team event did do things to help grow the game. But to me, we always talk about wanting more team events, but to me it was the most boring tournament so far this season. I, I think it was partially boring because Cantlay and Shoffley ran away with it. And yesterday on my way to Stillwater, whenever I was listening to y'all on the radio – 
I actually love your idea, Taylor, to have a team event closer to the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. You know, if those are going to be played last week of September, first week of October every year, let's have a team event mid-September 10th. Let's have a team event. I mean, I know that you're going up against football if you do that, but I I think that that gives you more of a reason to tune in to some more guys that you're going to be seeing in what is the ultimate team event. And then, Woody, real quick, before you go and give your opinion on this, I also want to add in the fact, do you guys think it should be just alternate shot or just best ball, or do you like the the format as it is? Well, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say that to go along with, with what – I think that the timing of it is really hard because we're in between the Masters and the PGA Championship. So there is a little bit – and obviously I know the PGA being at Southern has a lot to do with that distraction, but – Colby mentioned that that Cantley running away with it made it boring. To me, that was the only thing that made it somewhat enjoyable because they're two top ten, <laughs> two top twelve players in the world going out there playing really good. Looked like they may have faltered a little bit on some holes, but nevertheless, I didn't think Burn, Burns and Horschel, two other really good players, were going to make a, a run at them. So I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm looking at some other different formats here we could use, and, and like I said, I would prefer this format of the alternate shot best ball to be the Ryder Cup tournament because that's what you see in the Ryder Cup. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a scramble portion. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a shamble portion. I wouldn't be – I've talked about Chapman a hundred times on this show. What, I what love if that we did five-man teams drop one like college golf? So you do the old Maxwell format where you, you don't have to take each hole, obviously, <laughs> but you play right. five people and then drop four? Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Maybe I something mean, like that just to make it more entertaining. Woody, did you find it boring this week? <laughs> well, boring's a big word. I yeah. mean, it, 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 it wasn't – I you know, it was different. It was different. You know, you guys are – what you're talking about there is a little bit what your buddy Greg Norman's trying to get started with his little uh, tour right. with the uh, team event things. And, uh, um, you know, golf is kind of – it's funny game. It's like you said, Sam. Most people that watch golf are, are golfers. They're dyed in the wool. They – they're going to, they're going to do, or they're going to watch what about whatever we throw at them. Uh, I think that because the president cup Ryder cup is USA against everybody else, it, it, it tends to add more, more fire to the, to the coffer, so to speak. But I'm going to say that all in all, I think it is cool. I think it's different. And I don't think it's always bad not to throw in something a little different. I did watch something this last week, guys, and I got to bring this up because it, it still sticks in my craw. I went to a golf tournament um, last week where I watched 5A high school golfers play. And I, I work with the Carl Albert golf team is the reason why I was over there doing that. And it's it's kind of fun to go watch high school golf because I, I just don't do it much. I'm, I'm guilty of that, and I enjoyed that day when I went out there. But watching these pros and then watching these amateurs, I'm going to make a statement to all the moms and dads out there listening with your kids that you think it's going to be the next Tiger Woods. They won't get there if they don't practice their short games. I was I was actually embarrassed watching those 5A high school kids chip and putt. I think Stevie Wonder could have done a better job. In fact, I know he could have, and he's blind. And uh, I, I, I was I, – I just was – I was appalled. I really was. And, and, and it's not the first time I've seen it. I see it all the time. And, and putting – Putting, guys, is not hard. There is nothing hard about putting. If, if Sam, I can go to you with that because you're at Oak Tree quite a bit, 
who do you see on the putting green before we tore it up more than anybody else? Willie Can Wood. Can you name that golfer? Willie Wood. Who's second? Oh, Scott probably Scott, yeah. Yeah, Scott Burplank and Willie Wood. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've seen it. I've watched it. I, I see it all the time. Yeah, they'll hit a few balls, but I see them on the, on the putting green and, and on the chipping clock all the time, all the time. And they're, they're two of the best putters and chippers I've ever watched. And it's a direct correlation, guys. It's not, it, it's not anything more than practice. And, and so then I watch the high school kids come out. Where do they go? They go right to the driving range. And, uh, you know, a few of them have a track man, and they got all these things they're doing out there, and they're, they're hitting all these balls, and then they go out, and then they putt so badly. And, and they go home at night, and where do they go the next day? They come back, and they go and hit balls again. And I'm going thinking to myself, you know, Forrest Gump said it best, stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> Yeah. And, and most if high school kids practice. are stupid, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I was and, in high school once. I'm sure I was. Oh, I know I you was. Too. I was too. I mean, I, I, was, I was lucky when I was a kid growing up. For some reason, I liked to putt. I had, this goes dates me, but I had one of these little putting gadgets. And the ball went into this black, like, plastic cup. This thing clicked, and the ball got shot back to you because it just got it was a little like a plunger that would knock the ball back to you. I putted with that thing so much, guys, that I wore it out. I wore it out. Now, my mom and dad were probably really glad because that thing was loud. It sounded like a gun went off every time it shot my ball back to me. But I, I, I actually putted with the thing till it broke. And, I, you know, I just loved to putt. So I, I was I always a great putter? No, but because I practiced, I wasn't a bad putter. And uh, if you don't practice that, you're just never going to get any better. I, I'm telling you, it just it won't happen because I watched Cantley this weekend just put the eyes out of it. And then when he had to hit good chips, let me tell you something, he did that pretty well too. So um, when all the dust settles, when, when these guys are at home and these kids are working on their games, do me a favor, boys and girls, if you're listening – if you're not spending about 80% of your time on your short game, 20 on your on your full swing, uh, you're going to get beat by somebody that's not as good a golfer as you are that's going to out-putt and jip you. 100% Woody. And obviously I do a podcast now, but back in the day I was a pretty decent junior golfer, right? And the best way right. to beat other junior golfers is your short game. You're spot on, Woody. When I was growing up, I would spend like 90% of my time over on that chipping green at Lake Hefner. And and yep. not try to I'm not trying to think anything technical. I'm just hitting yep. chip shots and and getting a feel for those shots, getting comfortable with those shots. I think that I see two things in, in you know high school junior golf that I don't ever see on the PGA Tour. And number one, it's that these kids are scared to go high with a shot when it when it calls. Either they don't have the ability, don't know how. Or they, right. they are scared to go high with a shot when it calls for it. And number two, their lag putting is atrocious compared to the PGA Tour <laughs> players. And so, and, and, and so I think that those two things, while they might be kind of uh, tedious and boring to practice, I think that those two things, you can gain strokes on the field in high school and even college golf tournaments doing those things more than any other part of your game. I, I truly feel like that. 
Well, and you think about it, guys. I, I mean, think about what things you can control in the game, right? Can everyone hit a drive 350 yards? No, no. but every single person can make a five-footer. And five-foot percentage is what, 75%, 80% on tour, something like that? So it's like – About 75, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, if you can make – If you can take that 75 and make it 85%, 90%, then you're in business. And, and to go back on the high school point that you guys are talking about, it's – Sam made a great point about the lag putting. Lag putting, even in the college golfers, is, is really bad on almost all levels because you, you have – so many different grasses that you play on, and players aren't used to that. And then even going, and no to one ex- ever practices it. And the funny part is, on in college and high school golf, they hit it forty feet away from the hole every every hole. Well, that's what I was going to mention with yeah. cor- with course setup is because some of these bigger amateur events, it's a little different. But on high school setup, you're playing sixty five hundred yard courses, and like Woody said, everyone goes to the damn driving range, so everyone can hit three hundred yard bombs. So then all of a sudden they have yeah. sixty yards, and they make double bogey from there. And it's if you went out and yeah. practice and. And a lot of it, too, and Woody, you can test to this being a teacher, a lot of high school kids, especially with the wedge mechanics, are just not there. They're way too steep, uh, take a huge gouge out of the earth, and it's just, I, I feel like a lot of it also has to do with not only just the lack of practice, but the lack of proper technique. Well, and when you guys are talking about lag putting, you know why they're bad lag putters? First off, even though it's a putt, it must be hit solid. Absolutely. Okay? you got to hit every golf shot solid. And that's the first step to being a good golfer. Well, you watch these kids lag putt with their eyes, their head, their bodies moving. They're all over the place. They never even sniff the middle of the golf club. So if you're towing and healing the ball as bad as most of them are, you're going to usually come up short. And then what do they do? They're short, short, short. And finally, they catch one solid. And now they got powder burns on their hands because now they blow it 20 feet by the hole. I mean, it, it literally, you guys are spot on. I felt so sorry for the coach from Carl Albert because he's sitting there watching with me. And every one of these kids, when they were 40 feet from the hole, you could just book it. It was going to be at least three putts. Some of them were four putts. And I, I mean, I just, I just had to almost – Luckily, I hadn't eaten before I'd gone out there because I probably would have thrown up. Yeah, and Woody, you got to tell those Carl Albert kids, I mean, the best player to ever come out of Carl Albert is Taylor Gooch, and he's notorious for being over on that chipping slash wedge area out at John Conrad, and and that's the only place that he's spent out there. I think I'll, I'll close it up, and then T-Dub, I think, has one more point, but, you know, you got to find a teacher, and if you ask any teacher, what I did growing up was Stan Ball would give me homework sheets, and I'd have to get so many balls up and down from like mm-hmm. different spots. And and if you ask your teacher, I don't care who you go to, or even your golf coach, to give you a homework sheet of things to do around the chipping green to make it fun and a little competitive. They would be happy to do that, and I don't ever really see kids doing that anymore. I used to have that homework sheet in my bag. I used it throughout college, T-Dub, and right. I don't know if you yeah. did anything like that. Oh, absolutely. I had a little spiral notebook. I catch my back pocket. I get a little sweat stained at the end of the day, yeah. but still always had the good notes. And Woody, you mentioned that whenever you saw someone 40 feet, they're guaranteed a three-putt. Did you find it was more likely that they would – hit the first 40 footer to like 10 or 15 feet and then not be able to make it? Or were they hit putting it to like five or six feet when they should be putting it to about two feet, but putting it to five yes. or six feet and then missing those? What do you think was more common? Well, it was, it's a combination of both, but usually from the long distance, they were terrible. They were either 10 or 15 feet short or 10 or 15 feet by. They, uh, you know, I would have loved to see them get it about five feet, but most of them couldn't even come close to that. And, uh, wow. And it's what you said. It's so spot on. Um, 
I just think that if they could just spend more time at it, like you said, Sam, I'm not looking necessarily for technique. I'm just looking for, hey, can you hit some putts and just stay dead still and and not move? If you watch Tiger Woods, you watch the best players, their heads don't move, their eyes don't move, their body doesn't move. It's just a rocking motion that all this, and they hit nothing but solid putts. You'll look at those guys' putters, and they're like their wedges. They wear a spot out right dead in the middle of the putter. Uh, a lot of times, some of them have to change because they've hit so many putts that they've actually kind of concave the putter in a little bit. That's how many times they put the golf ball. So, uh, and, and I don't know. I didn't, I didn't mean to get on my soapbox. No, it's it okay. Woody, I love this stuff. And, and Woody, uh, hey, I got one more uh, question to ask you, Woody. Now, you know, in high school, I didn't learn the value of tempo while putting until college, right? And, and I, right, I was right. too quick or, it, you know, I, I even had the yips at one point in high school and just talk a little bit about the importance of tempo while putting, because I think that that was a huge thing for me that kind of continued my career to where I could play and compete on the college level that if I'd never figured out, I, I wouldn't have been able to compete. Well, if you watch Cantley, it's funny. When he takes a practice stroke, it's not like his real stroke. I don't know if you guys have seen that. He, he's a lot more acceleration on his practice stroke. Absolutely. And somebody was asking him about that. And he, he said, well, I, the one thing I want to do is always feel like I've got a lot of energy coming to the ball. I have all my energy. When I look at a, a good putting stroke, it's kind of like a grandfather clock. It's a tick-tock, tick-tock. It's not a tick-tock. Right. <laughs> no. I mean, it's not all of a sudden a spasm. It's a very just rhythmic type of stroke. And it's some are longer than others. I, I don't care about all that. I, I what I want people to do when they putt is like you said, Sam, get some kind of tempo. And and some guys are maybe a little faster tempo. Hoshel's a very fast tempo. Uh but but he's consistent. It looks the same every time. So there's pretty strokes, there's not so pretty strokes, but the bottom line is hitting a ball solid is a critical and if you're moving all over the place it can't happen it just won't happen and and then you know we've talked about this with high school kids this is the exact same for the 20 handicappers at your local club right. so anyone out there yeah. listening can take oh, advice my, from this for sure oh I, I, I'm, I'm telling you yeah you know you just see it all the time i play in pro-ams with guys all the time and i'll go over and i'll just hold their head and i'll just hold their head while they take a practice putt and they're doing everything they can to rip that hand off their head because they're wanting to move so much. And I, I said, I'm just telling you guys, you're not going to be good putters when you move. That It's just not going to happen. I tell a lot of my students, why don't you go putt three and four footers with your eyes shut? And they always look at me and they go, with my eyes shut? And I go, yeah, because then you don't know when you're going to actually strike the golf ball. Now it's just feel and rhythm and balance and all those things. So some some of your listeners out there, I know it sounds stupid, but someday go out there on the putting green from three, four, five feet. You don't do it from 50 feet. But but for those short distances, just shut your eyes and start to figure out, well, I, now I don't know when the putter is going to reach the ball so I don't have to yip or look up or, or want to see it. Then just hear it go in the hole. 
Yeah, that's great stuff. That was a great rabbit hole we got down, Woody. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side, because I don't know if you know this or not, Woody, but you are a resident Whispering Pines expert <laughs> where the Big 12 championships <laughs> are being played this week. So we're going to take a break. I Mother Nature it. has struck hey. at Pebble Beach. Or not Pebble Beach. Uh, Big 12's, unfortunately. Yes, absolutely. Oh, wait, weather delay? Weather delay, yeah. Weather delay. Okay. Uh, oh, one, Big 12, they got a weather delay? One, yep. Until 1 p.m., it says. Okay, well, hopefully it won't okay. be too long then, and uh, that'll be about the time the pod comes out. So that'll be perfect. Win-win for everybody. We are getting into Pebble Beach. So that's why I said that. That is why. It's on my notes right here. <laughs> okay, good deal. Good deal. We'll take a break. <laughs> we'll come back on the other side. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oak. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. We're back rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Reminder, golfoklahoma.org. Make it your homepage. Subscribe. Get the newsletters. Get the emails. Get all of it uh, as it is a big next six weeks coming up for golf in the state of Oklahoma. College golf all the way through the national championships at Greyhawk. And, of course, who can forget the PGA Championship at Southern Hills uh, just about a month away. So getting excited for that. Uh, guys, college golf's been taking place. Big 12, Taylor, you just said, are in a weather delay out at Whispering Pines. But SEC has already concluded. Included. Vanderbilt wins there, uh, but some some big name players. SEC does it a little differently. They have match play in their their tournament, uh, their conference championship. And Sam Bennett has been one of the biggest names in college golf all year. He's been big in the news in the last couple of weeks as he decided to come back to Texas A and M, therefore deferring his PGA Tour U status to next season. And Sam, he kind of put on a display for us this week about the differences between stroke play and match play. Yeah, Woody, I just wanted to ask you, we talked about in the first segment about the SEC Championship, Vanderbilt winning, John Bois finishing first in the stroke play portion, but I wanted to ask you about Sam Bennett, the number one player in the country for Texas A&M. He finishes fifth, continues to play well in stroke play, um, but Woody, he loses to Bryce Lewis of Tennessee, their three-bag in their first match, and Yuxin Lin uh, of Florida, their three-bag in the second match, and obviously Texas A&M won their first match against Tennessee despite Sam Bennett losing. Um, just talk a little bit about being a good player and transitioning from stroke play to match play, and does it worry you at all if you're a Texas A&M fan that your number one player in the country continues to lose matches in match play? Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, one of the things that you probably don't think about, though, in that match play kind of format Okay, Sam Bennett is what we call the best college player right now. He's ranked that way. 
well, if I'm the three bag for Tennessee, what do I got to lose, Sam? Nothing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Point. And and plus, I mean, I'm getting to play Goliath, and if I take him down, everybody thinks I'm a god. You know what I'm saying? Right, but right. they get motivated. You get these younger guys getting a chance to play in 18 holes. We all know. Hey, back in my prime, I would have loved to try Tiger for just 18 holes, not 72. But you never know if if you catch a quick one or something like that and you get a roll going, you can beat anybody. Anybody can beat anybody at that level in just 18 holes. And I think what happens is these kids at Bennett's playing, they get fired up because they're getting ready to take on the best player. And then Bennett maybe pushes himself just a little bit. And before you know it, uh-oh, the day's going kind of south and those other kids get more and more confident. And they're taking down, like I said, they're taking down Goliath. And everybody around them is going, way to go, way to go, man, get him, get him, get him. And you get that momentum going the wrong way. And so I don't know what I would tell Sam Bennett other than the fact that I would try to say to him, hey, you know what? All these kids are going to be fired up to play you. They're going to want to beat you. They're going to be more focused. You're going to just have to grind it out and step on them when you get a chance. And, and then hit those kinds of shots that you're capable of to the, just take away any momentum they got. But I see it all the time, you guys. You, you know, Tiger Woods was not that successful in Ryder Cup play, was he? That's true. Not as successful as he should have been. But he was successful in U.S. Juniors and USMs. Well, that was a little different kind of cat there because right. he was he was so much better than all those kids <laughs> and he was so much better in, in intimidating them too so he sure. was i would say when tiger was in his his prime in junior golf and u.s amateur golf he was just so much better than even with that i mean it, there was guys that had him down numerous times in those match plays in the u.s amateur i know for sure and but they were 36 holes so he had time and he always was patient and he just moved Somehow, some way, he was going to win. He came back and won. So, you know, anytime we make a comparison with Tiger Woods, it's not fair to the rest of the world. <laughs> Just right, so we right. can make that clear, right. he was so much better than everybody else. So, I don't, I don't think this Bennett is going to lose every match he plays. Please don't get me wrong there, but I think he does have to realize. These guys have got a chip on their shoulder, and they're after him now. He's he's the star, and they're going to want to clip him if they can. And you mentioned the, the, the leads, Woody. I mean, they, these weren't just two, three down. I mean, I think the first and the third USMZ one, he was down by like five and six, maybe even seven <laughs> right. in one of them. So that intimidation yeah. factor yeah. was there. And, you know, just staying along yeah. the same same line of conference championships, we'll go back to the uh, Big 12. And unfortunately, with the weather delay, like we mentioned, we don't have any score right. update, but we might as well talk about the course a little bit, Woody. And so I know that you've gotten to play Whispering Pines a few times. It's always ranked really high in Texas. I believe it's number two right now behind Blue Jack, right. ranked around there with um, like Dallas now. National Colonial, so it's by far one of the best courses in the state. So, give us a little bit of uh, Trinity or uh, Whispering Pines update, and kind of tell us what kind of game you'll need to get around that place. You know, I, I, was, I was very fortunate that the the pro down there is a guy by the name of Chris Rowe. That is, uh, boy, you talk about a dyed wool sooner. This guy bleeds that uh, maroon or what, what? What a crimson? Excuse me, I'm not. Yeah, I want to lose you. I got to be careful here. Uh, but but he is a dyed the wool. It's all right. Yeah, he's a dyed the wool sooner. So uh, 
uh, he invited me to a golf tournament. The first time I went to it was 2011. It's called the Robertson Cup. And I had never heard of Whispering Pines, guys. I, You know, it was down by Trinity, Texas, which the only thing I knew it was close to was Huntsville, where all the prisons were. So that was <laughs> – I'm thinking, well, it's a great spot. But I stepped foot on this place the first time I ever stepped foot on it. And I'm going to tell you what, if you guys have not played it, if you get a chance, go. For goodness sakes, go. Any listeners out there, if you get a chance to go to it, go. It is one of those types of golf courses that is so iconic. It's just beautiful. It is a fabulous layout. It is difficult. But it's not impossible. I'll tell you that right now. Um, got to drive the ball really well, and you've got to be really sure where you put the ball on the greens. The greens are, are, are pretty treacherous, to say the least. But if you think your way around this golf course, you can shoot a good number on it. But, boy, get a little froggy, get it on the wrong side of the hole, and – it's kind of like Augusta in a lot of ways. Boy, it'll burn your bottom so fast it'll make your head spin. You can be cruising along there, and all of a sudden this boom, 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 double, 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 and you go, what, what, what happened? So, um, perfect condition. I will tell you that it's awesome. It's tight. It's really tight. It's got Zoysia fairways that are mowed the tightest I've ever seen Zoysia mowed in all my life. Um, the greens are Bermuda, but they are just slick. I mean, slick, um, scary. Like what? 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 Parody said that time it's got bikini wax on it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it's got on it. It is. Uh, it is scary good. Lots of fun holes on it. There's a hole on the back nine. I believe it's a 14th hole. It's a par four that dog legs around uh, Lake Livingston. Uh, you can go with the green. You can lay up way out to the right. It's got a multitude of options available to you that you can you can either make three or two on the hole if you happen to do something really special. But you can all make, also make six or seven really, really fast. So um, you can tell I'm excited. I love it. I think I, it's just such a great golf course. And I, I look forward to seeing what they shoot. Uh, I'm always curious. I, I knew this year we went down and played this year, and uh, uh, Chris Rowe was telling me the Big 12 were this year that were going to be held there, and I always look forward to seeing what these guys can shoot on this golf course. Woody, unfortunately for these OU and OSU fans, Texas has been on a roll with the Cootie brothers back and Cole Hammer playing some solid golf. Colby, I mean, your your Cowboys, they have Eugenio, uh, Amon Gupta, Brian Stark, Rasmus Niergaard-Peterson, and Bo Jin in the lineup this week, and they can have subs, so that means that Jonas Baumgartner is their sub this week. Uh, OU is going with Goderup, Logan McAllister, uh, Goodman, Stephen Campbell Jr., and Vinny Patrick Welch, the cross-handed bandit. Now, um, that means that Ben Lorenz is OU sub. Uh, do you like those lineups for OSU, Colby? Yeah, I do like those lineups. I, I was really curious to see what was going to happen with Bo Jin, right? I think we've all been curious uh, throughout most of the year. Last year, he was on such a heater at Prairie Dunes. I mean, we watched him some at Prairie Dunes, and he was just striking the ball so unbelievably. Putting good, too. Yeah, and, and he kept it going at Greyhawk. He also had just one of the filthiest up and downs I've ever seen from off the back of number eight green at Prairie Dunes, but yep. that's, that's neither here nor there. He, he was playing great golf. He kept it going at Greyhawk, 
and he kind of needs to refine some of that form. He's one over through 11 right now as they sit in the weather delay. I will say he's played better golf the last five or six events. He has. He has. He, he's kind of broken out of whatever little slump that he was in, which I think bodes well for Oklahoma State. Now, they, they obviously are not off to a great start in this event, but again, they go out early. You don't know what the weather was doing. Obviously, it was doing something. For well, people and, that, the, and the weather's going to change the course once they get back 100%. out there. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are exactly right. I, I just wanted to tell people that don't know how conference championships and regionals work uh, for college golf. It's it doesn't really matter for a team that's ranked, you know, inside the top 30, right? Conference championships. They're going to make regionals regardless. Yeah, it's at this point, OUOSU, they're playing for seating, hosting, right. those bragging different rights. bragging rights, those yeah. different kind of things. Uh, now, this tournament is highly, highly it's a big deal for West Virginia. Yeah. West Virginia is T2 right now. West Virginia needs to finish in the top five of this event to get themselves into a regional site because there's a 500 requirement. You have to be at least 500 on the year with like uh, subpar rounds, overpar rounds. It's a weird formula and that they as use. As far as individual as well, like the, the winner of the conference championship of the teams that aren't going will go to the regional. And it also it, you can still be an individual and have a plus 500 record yes. against ranked opponents. Yes. There's it's, a lot of stuff that goes into it. It gets confusing, but once it all breaks down, just know that the best players in the teams will be there. Yeah, right. Basically, if you like algorithms, go go get into the weeds <laughs> of it. If you don't like algorithms, trust me, West Virginia needs to finish right. fifth or better in this event, and they're off to a good start at T2. But I, I wanted to ask you, um, what do you, we're looking at Texas, and Parker Cootie, Pearson Cootie, Cole Hammer – I think Travis Vick and Mason Nome are really underrated players that yeah. do a lot of good things. Woody, with the Cooties coming back off injury and OU and OSU, I mean, you got Texas Tech as well. This golf conference is just absolutely loaded, and I think that there are four teams out of the Big 12, because I'm throwing Texas Tech in there as well with Ludwig Aberg and, uh, and Bart Skogan and some of these guys that have played good golf this they have year. eight out of the top ten players in college golf in yeah, the Big, the Big 12. 12 does, yes. I, I just wow. I, I think there are four teams who could get hot and win a national championship, but I'm looking at Texas with both the Cooties, Cole Hammer, Travis Vick, Mason Nome. They are looking really strong right now. Woody, I, I think it's just kind of whoever gets hot in the right week out of this conference. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, you guys are better at this than I am as far as knowing these college golfers. Uh, but I know that that I knew the Big Twelve was strong this year. I'd already heard about how good a talent Texas had and how much was going on there. Um, all I can think back at is all those years being an Oklahoma State grad, uh, where we had teams that were so strong, so good, uh, and yet we didn't win. And uh, partly because it went to match play. If it would have been a stroke play golf tournament, it'd have been uh, Katie bar the door. It wouldn't have been even a game on. It would have been beaten like you can't believe how good. Because OSU had so much talent. So when you say Texas, yeah, if you look at them on paper, they're stronger and well done. Uh, but also, you look at OSU, they're good. OU's good. All these teams are good. And if if you get the right week. As you guys were saying, anything can happen when it comes to that match play, though. And how many years have we had match play now that picking a winner? Oh, my gosh. It's kind of like me trying to pick a major champion. It don't happen very often. How about in 2019, Woody, at Blessings, whenever Oklahoma State wins the the stroke play by, what, 39 shots, I think? And then they get bounced in the semis by – it was Texas. Yeah, Cole Hammer and the the bunch got them. Yep, yep. 
Yeah. And, and it's like we were just talking about earlier, you know, when you're talking about that kind of talent, 18 whole matches, it, it just, it just doesn't take much uh, to, to, to everybody get a little bit off or somebody gets hot or whatever it is. And then lo and behold, does the really the best team always win now in golf? And I got to tell you, I don't think they do, uh, which to me, I kind of hate the match play from that standpoint, but, uh, it's great for television, and, and I guess when it all comes down to it, that's what we give a darn about is television. So if um, if people watch it now that wouldn't have watched it before, um, yeah, pretty cool now that you say that. Because Coley brought up the blessing, so this is a really good segue here. We were talking earlier before you came on about Alabama having to move their regional because of course conditions, so it looks like the blessings may be a good candidate for that. And Arkansas right now is currently number 10 in the country, right in between, right around the three seed per se. And it, it's been frustrating me for the longest time that there's not a better way to reward good teams for when we get to the postseason of college golf because you're going to be the, the – a three seed and get to host a regional. I mean, that's you might as well guarantee your spot to move on. And especially after OU, OU last year, who has to go to New Mexico, being the number one team in the country, and, and they play to, against New Mexico, play against New Mexico, and they have yeah. to play one of their best rounds of all time <laughs> to move on to a regional. It's so frustrating. As a one seed. As yeah. a one seed. So, yeah. Woody, I mean, what is a better way to, to seed these teams? And Sam brought up a great point of just don't host it at at courses that have co- that have college affiliates that are home courses. I th- and you could probably that, give a better answer to that. Is it is it that hard to find six courses in the country that aren't university I, courses that would host a regional? I wouldn't think it would be. And that's, uh, that's, that's one of the first things, just like you say, for goodness sakes, do not let a team host a regional at their home course. That. I mean, again, guys, where do we start with the NCAA? Uh, <laughs> have they done anything right? Hey, that's uh, its no. own show, Woody. No, no, no they, they don't. Don't. That's its own, like, so, series of yeah. shows. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it, it, what did I say earlier? Stupid is a stupid does. The NCAA <laughs> tends to make themselves look stupid. And you know what's crazy? They don't even seem to care how stupid they look, whether it's football, basketball, golf, uh, softball. It, it doesn't matter. If, it, if you say NCAA, you pretty much got something that's not going to make people happy. So, 100%. You know, do I have a theory? No, I have a theory on the NCAA that they're, they're idiots. But other than that, no, I don't know how you think <laughs> I, that. I think that's beyond I, theory I at this point. Know. No, that's the perfect theory, Woody. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying anything people don't agree with. No, so, you're 100% I mean, there might correct. Be somebody out there that, that, that gets mad at me for calling them that, but I don't <laughs> care. It's all right. I'm, I'm you know, hey, get mad at me all you want. Hey, Woody, I want to go. Come back to uh, OSU real quick and Bo Jen. Let's say that he doesn't play well in Big 12s and regionals, considering the fact that he went through a slump at the first half of this year after playing well in the national championship. Now, the national championship is at the same course at Greyhawk, where he played really well last year. As a college coach, do you look more to how they've played at that certain course or their recent form? Oh, I think you really more need to go more with your recent form. I mean, if even if you like a golf course and you're hitting it bad, that that right. usually won't save you. Um, I think the recent form is the most important thing. You know, it it is a boy. It's a catch twenty two when you got teams like you guys have been talking about. When you got so many good 
players. And even more this year, Woody, because of the COVID rules, they have even bigger rosters. Exactly. I was going to bring that up. Good point. And so you're so deep uh, where you, you've got probably two or three guys sitting at home that easily could make most teams in the country when you're talking about these, these really strong teams. It's a crapshoot. I mean, that's why uh, these college coaches, I don't envy them. I mean, you know, uh, I just, golly, I, I, I don't know what to do there because you know the talent of this Bo Jin. You, there's no doubt he's talented. But if he's in a little bit of a, a funk, um, you might not take him. I know that sounds crazy, but you might not take him if you think there's another guy coming that, uh, you know, and, and Alan Bratton knows these kids up there better than I do. Same with Hibble down there at OU. They get a feel for which kid they think is going to be playing good and um, they go with it. And, hey, that's why they're the coach. And if if they they don't pull it off, then they got to answer the questions. And if they do pull it off, they look like a hero. Woody, I haven't gotten your thoughts yet. We haven't ever talked college golf with you, I don't think. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on Eugenio Lopez, Chikara, and Sam Bennett both coming back to school I feel like it's been probably a decade or so since we've seen a top, the top two ranked players in the country as you know juniors, right? Colby, are they both juniors? Uh, I believe that they're actually both seniors, seniors but who, who got the additional right. year? I get confused with all I, the I know, COVID I know, stuff. I know Lopez Chikara will be a fifth year next year. Okay. And I, I think it's the same with Sam Bennett, exactly. But I'm 100 percent sure on Chikara, right? But they both have right. one more right. year of eligibility left, right, uh, Woody? And so right. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on how important would you if you if you had a son, let's say that was a top two ranked player in the country. Would you advise him to go ahead and go pro, or would you advise him to come back to school for his last year, even if he's already graduated? Well, I mean, to me, college is the last real fun time in your life. (laughs) (laughs) To put it it bluntly. Put it just as simple as I can. Uh, And and then because once you're – once you're out of school, I mean, it's a real world out there, and it gets ugly quickly. And um, if these kids are having fun and they're they're at schools that they enjoy, uh, they like their teammates. I mean, you know, the PGA Tour isn't going away. Nor is the Corn Ferry. None of these they're going to be there when these kids are ready to come out. And, and, and join them, uh, you know, in a couple of, uh, maybe a few more tournaments under the belt, a little bit more experience, maybe get into a tour event or two and a sponsor's exemption, which I know these guys can pull off. Um, I, I guess I'm just old school from that standpoint. Plus maybe get a degree, you know, I, heaven forbid that your golf doesn't work out and you've spent those years at college. Why not just finish it off and get your degree and uh, and then, you know, the world's out there. It's going to be there when you're ready. Uh, what, what's wrong with having just one more year of fun? Yeah, absolutely, Woody. That's great stuff. It's like you said, college is just such a unique time in your life. And when it's over, it's it over. It's, you know, Woody, I went back to, I went back to Stillwater yesterday. We uh, went up to a college baseball game. We took our, our newborn right. up there, got some good pictures uh, at Oklahoma State, went to Eskimo Joe's, all that stuff. But now I go Did up there. Cheese for us? 
Uh, she did not eat cheese fries. She uh, bad, bad parenting, Colby. Not yet. Bad parenting. Not yet. We, we needed to take some of that uh, sweet peppered bacon at Eskimo Joe's and blend it up and put it into her bottle. But uh, she didn't have a silver uh, bullet bottle. No, nope, yeah. nope, not yet. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> but now, yeah. I mean, you go back and it's like it's just nostalgia, and that time in your life never comes back once it's gone. And now, no, 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 now, no. and I mean, I'm not that old, Woody. I'm I'm gonna be thirty in the fall. I'm looking at these yeah. college kids walking around campus and at the baseball game, and I'm like, these kids look so young. I'm like, I, I'm like, did I look this young eight, nine, ten yes. years ago? Yes. Because yes, these, did. these kids yes. look like babies, and I'm not that old. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're in college yeah. and you want to take another yeah. year, take another year. Yeah. And and we don't oh, hear about this a lot on golf, but. NIL's probably got a little bit of something to do with this, right? I mean, you, you can right. stay in college. You're not having to be dirt Ooh, poor. Get a little you, bit you can of a come, check. Get, come get a little money and a guaranteed check. It's not something you're yeah. not going to get on if you try to go professional. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even think about the NIL. I don't I don't know how big it is in golf yet, but it, it could be, and especially if, uh, if a guy's got a little bit of personality or a girl's got a little bit of personality that she can move or he can move some move the needle with the NIL. But I'm, I'm kind of like you, Colby. I've I used to go back to OSU when I was a little bit younger, uh, but when they took my favorite bar and turned it into a bookstore, I knew I was done. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just, oh, it just crushed me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what it, bar was that, Woody? It was called the Gray Fox Inn. For any listeners out there that are my age and went to OSU, if you didn't go to the Gray Fox Inn, you were just nobody in still <laughs> And they turned it into a bookstore? Yeah, it was crushing, How man. I couldn't that? believe it. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's like just, turning a strip it, club it, into a, a church. That sounds like the only bookstore I would want to go to. Well, it, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of bookstores at OSU, but I guess they needed one. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we want to remind everybody to go see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Ring Family Dentistry, they go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading-edge technology, delivering same-day crowns for more than 20 years. Implants, clear-liner orthodontics, they do it all. Some dentists can over-treat. It is their philosophy that patients in their office should only have done what they absolutely need. If they can't show why treatment is needed, they will not prescribe it. We explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. Ring Family Dentistry. Go check them out. Uh, Tyler, you want to talk a little Pebble Beach? Yeah, so I think that, you know, this this news kind of broke after our last show, so it's been a little bit, been probably five days old now, but something we should still talk about. So Pebble Beach, or I guess the USGA announced that Pebble Beach is going to be the third U.S. Open anchor site, as I like to call it. Essentially, that just means that you're going to see a lot of U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach. The other two are Pinehurst number two and Oakmont, some other really great clubs. And I don't know, I, I guess we're going to start with Woody on, on this take. Well, real quick, tell them what you told me off the air about. I think it's only four sites left until, what, 2040? Yeah, so looking at it right now, yeah. just, just on this, there's only there's only two sites going all the way up until 2036. That are, or to 2038, wow. I'm sorry, that, that aren't booked. That would be 2028 and 2036, respectively, are the only years that aren't booked. Like I said, you scroll through here, you see a lot of uh, Pinehurst, a lot of Oakmonts. And, and Woody, my theory on this is that what have been the probably the least media or the most mediocre U.S. Opens we've had in the last few years? We had the Aaron Hills U.S. Open where Kepka won, where he shot what, 1600 right. or something, just an absolute right. joke. And then the other one is Chambers Bay and where they had the atrocious greens. Don't forget about congressional, right. too. With, I mean, I know that well, was that, a little bit longer. That's 2011, ago. and there was some rain. So, I mean, I won't necessarily throw that one in. But, but it's another good point of it just seems like these courses that aren't traditionally U.S. Open venues, Woody, the last few times they've been there just haven't worked out very well at all. 
No, and it uh, you know when you're when you're talking about iconic facilities, uh, does it get any more iconic than Pebble? No, and so the USGA I think has figured out that if they're going to be, oh, I think they sometimes try still to compete with the Masters, and good luck with that. Um, but if you keep going back to those sites that are oh familiar for the viewing people and for the pros uh i think that's what they're going to so i i i don't know the u.s open has always been just a little bit of a, a crapshoot as far as uh they've had some bad publicity over the years of these golf courses that you were talking about in course setups uh shinnecock was one that you know they did some crazy stuff on the setup so real, they real have quick, to be Woody, very though, our man scott verplank does say that they should hold the u.s open at shinnecock every single year <laughs> well, I think Shinnecock is a, is a fabulous golf course until the USGA kind of screws it up and puts, you know, does something with the layout yeah. itself or the yep. setup. I think, it, it, and that's their fault. Uh, you know, they they right. even do it with courses like Olympic. They well, you remember you, you remember when Phil, you remember when Phil at Shinnecock went and hit his ball while it was rolling <laughs> yeah. on the green because well, he, he thought, because he thought the course and, setup was unfair. That was the, and that's that's when we thought that's when we thought Phil was controversial. I was thinking yeah. say, arguably <laughs> the most controversial thing. Phil Little done did we know. <laughs> Little did we know. Going back to 2004 on 17 when he four putted or whatever, lose to Ratif Goosen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's yeah. another course yeah. setup there. So Phil's got two marks on. Shinnecock. But anyways, what he's sorry that was a rabbit hole. But go ahead. Uh, that, that, no, I love it because that's a fact. I mean, what you guys are talking about, that, that's what I love about golf is we're not afraid. We don't bury our history in golf. <laughs> right. You notice that. We don't tear down statues. We don't do all Sam that. Sam does. History is something <laughs> that you better – yeah, well, some do. But history Sam, is Sam doesn't think that, anyone that played golf before 1980 should be counted in no, the record No, 1964-ish. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson, Sam Snead, all of them. No, yeah. no good. I yeah. agree. Yeah, well, it, 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 <laughs> that's the thing. But you guys, you got to remember history. History is important. We'll keep that. I'll keep reminding you of it because I'm the old guy in this group. Yep. And and there's nothing wrong with remembering things that have gone down the road, and that, good and bad. Uh, just because they're bad doesn't mean we need to wash them under the table or flush them down the toilet because that's part of it. So. When this USGA makes these decisions to start making these as kind of their permanent sites, they do it for a reason. If you look at the history, they've always had great events at Pebble Beach, right? I mean, can you can you tell me about an open at Pebble Beach that you didn't enjoy watching? Uh, I particularly no. enjoyed 2019. I was there on Sunday watching Gary Woodland uh, take down Justin Rose. That pitch shot he hit on 17 was unbelievable. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. So, And Off you've got green. great memories of that. you got Tiger dominating the field there at Pebble. So, Tom I mean, Watson, let's I, not forget about my man Tom 82. Watson. Yeah, that, that, let's uh, not that, forget about your man Tom Watson. That's, holding that's, that's, this side, that's this side of Sam's cutoff for when golf became golf, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> Well, then he won't like Nicholas's one iron on 17. That was uh, actually was somewhat of a rope hook for Jack Nicholas. Hit a rope hook is unbelievable, but to hit a one iron and hit the flag with it, uh, that was pretty impressive too. Yep. But that yep. that was before you guys were born. So, but I like to remember those things. That's called history. The okay. Tiger <laughs> stuff was before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> that, that shows so, you young, but, Sam. Yeah, yeah, you guys are. It's like Colby said. Yes, you're thirty going on a hundred if you go back to college town. Okay, <laughs> do not do that. Okay. 
Uh, well, here's a good over and under. The, the U.S. Open, the next one at Pebble, is 2027. How many one irons are going to be hit on 17 this next time? Oh, that'd be question. none. Yeah, we're going to go zero. Right. And, and well, I'm going to go zero. Uh, I, Does absolutely. anybody carry a one iron? Uh, May, maybe the driving irons, if you consider that, but yet they're still bit, they're okay, still bulkier. We'll so I mean, that, I, yeah. I wouldn't. I, but, I, but most of those these days are 18 degrees. I think. I, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you see guys, one but, or two guys that use maybe 17 or 16, and a lot of that's course setup too, course conditions. And yeah, I also yeah. want to throw out here about about Pebble. They announced four U.S. Opens, but they also announced um, four U.S. Women's Opens. So. Uh, yeah, Pebble yeah, Beach is going to yeah. have eight championships in the next 26 years. That's phenomenal. That's one thing I think the women's game can do to continue to grow itself, and it's done a great job. Mike Wan, when he was the head, did an unbelievable job, and now he's with the USGA. Continue to play on bigger and better courses because people want yes. golf for courses. Yes. I will, I will yes. absolutely be tuned in. Like Olympic Club this past summer for the U.S. Women's Open? Who's not watching Olympic yes. Club? Who's not going to watch Pebble? Yeah, right. Put these events yeah. on elite golf courses, and we will watch. Hey, I agree. Totally agree. Well, hey, go ahead. which year do they play? Which which year are they playing LA North? Is it this? Uh, twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Yeah. Next well, year. let me tell you something, guys. That's another golf course. Holy cow! Oh my! What a fabulous golf course! Right in the middle of downtown LA. I mean, you would you would never believe this golf course is where it is, and. Uh, it was the Playboy Mansion set on the 14th tee. Not that I could see anything, but I sure was trying. Um, <laughs> you forgot the binoculars uh, that day. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they got a head draw to kill for it. You weren't going to get through that sucker, I can tell you that, because <laughs> I was thinking that, can I get in there any way, shape, or form? No, I could not. So, uh, it is a it is another one of these. I, I wish they'd have a host and open there every time because when you guys get to see it, it, it is really a great golf course. So, but that's kind of the last of their bastion. They're gonna, like you say, they're gonna start going to these golf courses over and over and over again. We won't see the LA Norse very much after this. And, and you know, just just thinking of some other courses, Woody, that I think could be potential anchor sites they don't have announced before. Like they have Marion announced in 2030. Obviously, that's a, a staple. Shinnecock 2026. The two courses right. that come off my head mostly are Bethpage Black and Olympic Club. And so I look up right. Olympic Club and they're, they're actually hosting a PGA Championship in 2028. So that fills a little bit of the void. Okay. But I don't know, Woody. It just right. seems like that that's more of a, a better course for a U.S. Open setup. So, I mean, what and you've mentioned on, on our show before you think Olympics one of the best courses in the world. How do you think that, that yes. the, the setup between the U.S. Open and PGA Championship will vary? Oh, I think uh, well, Kerry Hague's still doing it, which he probably will be back then. PGA is notoriously a little bit easier on the pros than the USGA. Okay, so uh, I would I would guess that the rough wouldn't be quite as penal. Um, just the whole course setup will be a little bit more forgiving than what the USGA will do. But when you got such a great golf course like Olympic, um, you don't have to do really anything to it. Just put a peg in the ground and let them go, and, and, and they'll be fine. They, it doesn't have to do much to make that difficult. It doesn't have to do much to make it a great challenge and a great test and a, and a perfect venue for a major. Yeah, I think the last five years or so that the PGAs have been more entertaining than the U.S. Opens. I don't know if y'all agree with that. I think so, yeah. It could be that the the time of year change could have had something to do with that as yeah. well. And, I mean, obviously, and the 
COVID, we had Harding Park in August or whatever, so that was kind the, of... The PGA has produced some good champions, too, and some good championships. I mean, last year with Phil yeah. was incredibly exciting. I'm probably going back a little bit further, but I know Jason Day was a very popular champion whenever he got his first one. Justin Thomas. Co- Colin Morikawa at TPC yeah. Harding Kep- Park. Kepka was back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. Kepka back-to-back. JT and then, at Quill Hollow. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the, the PGA has produced some great champions and some great championships. And the last thing I'll say about this course thing that I think is really interesting, so 2027 and 2034 PGA Championships are scheduled to be at PGA Frisco in Frisco, Texas. That course is not opening until the start of next year. Yeah. That's very, very, right. very cool. Right. So, yeah, be interested right. to see how right. that all pans out. All right, before we get out of here, yeah. Sam, you got a, a how hey, high for us on a Monday? I do have a fun how high for us this all week. Right. Woody, are you familiar with our how high game? Uh, no, I'm not, but I'm listening very intently. Okay, so what we do is we throw out a random name from either past or, you know, present golf and we do hashtag how high and we try to guess how high in the world rankings they got in their career oh doggone okay this is gonna make me look really stupid let's go <laughs> all right here we go billy horschel oh billy horschel he was a top 10 player don't you think after I, he won the fedex cup i don't know maybe Ooh. Uh, who wants to start i'll start you want me to? throw out a guess Taylor. i'm going eight Eight. Woody, throw out a guess for Billy Horschel. How high? I, I'm thinking, I was thinking nine. So we're on the same page. I think, uh, man, he did win a FedEx Cup. I might you, even go like seven. You, honestly. I'm, I'm going to go five. I'm going to give Billy Horschel benefit of the doubt that he snuck into the top five. So, guys, wow. Billy Horschel, after winning the Tour Championship in 2014, was 14th in the world, but... He is right now, well, as of after the Masters, ranked the highest he has ever been ranked at 13th. Now he's 14th in the world. Wow. So last week was the highest that Billy Horschel has ever been ranked, and that was 13th in the world. It's Okay, so are you looking on OWGR.com? Yes. Okay, so that's after a tournament that he played. In an off week, somebody else lost points, and he actually moved up to 12. Okay. If you pull up his off weeks. So he got up to 12 right. in an off week. We were wrong. I, I can't believe he didn't crack the top ten when he won the FedEx Cup. I can't. I can't either. I, I I would have thought he got in there at some point. He's been pretty steady for a lot of years. That's crazy. That's wild. All right, great show today, boys. I love the show. Yep. Uh, all right, yeah. so we need to tell our listeners plan for later in the week. We don't know exactly when we're going to do the show. The Mexico Open this week is a garbage yeah. field. College we'll golf. We got our picks. Yes, yeah. college <laughs> golf, Big Twelve championships. That's taking priority this week. So depending on when the championship ends. We're going to try to get a uh, a recap of that out. It's going to be some combination of the four of us, uh, depending on timing of that and schedules and, and stuff like that. Uh, so we will get that out later in the week, probably Wednesday night, Thursday morning, somewhere in that neighborhood. I also wanted to say that here coming up in the future, we're not going to be at Big 12s doing our live coverage like we were last year, but hopefully we'll be at the state championship again Pending if the OSSAA lets us after last year. I just hope that Mother Nature stays away from the state championships this year. Is it, is oh, it at Forest Ridge again? As long as it's not there, I think we're fine. All right. That's, uh, that's enough. We'll be back later in the week. Thanks, Woody. Good stuff. All right, guys. Have a great day. See you all. All right. We're Thanks, back Woody. later in the week. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.